Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My special guest with me today is my sister Paula. Hello. Today we're going to be discussing Chapter 45 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. In Chapter 45, Mrs Gardner and Lizzie visit Pemberley for tea. Lovely. And it's full of burns. Well, it starts off with Miss Bingley's dislike and jealousy of Elizabeth. And that continues throughout the chapter. And then she's an idiot. And says stupid things, puts her foot in her mouth, and Darcy is not pleased with her. You'd think she'd get it by now. She just really doesn't, though. So Francis just read the chapter aloud to us before. And I asked, how is it that... Mr. Bingley is such a nice character who seems to want to like everybody. And Miss Bingley, his sister, is such a nasty person that starts with B. And You're allowed to say itch that. Itch at the end. <laughs> and Frances pointed out that in families you often have different personalities. She said it in not a very nice way, though. <laughs> <laughs> I might have implied that Paula might be the B word. Just <laughs> so not true. Not today, anyway. But I don't know. It just, to me, it comes down to values. Like, you kind of are taught those values as a family, right? Um, and so you might have different personalities, but those values are often the same. So he's always, you know, wanting to see the best in people like Jane does, which I think is probably what attracts them to each other. They're just so nice. And, of course, because she's so pretty, rolling my eyes. Miss Bingley is the opposite. She's not attracted to people that are pretty. <laughs> oh, but hold on. Maybe I've just explained it to myself in my head. Because in those days, I guess she spent her entire time going, oh my goodness, I need to get married, 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 I need to get married. And that was all she was thinking about. And she went to a finishing school to teach her how to get married. Yeah. So I guess for her, she's just desperate and she's acting out of fear, isn't she? The same as um, Mrs. Bennett. Except for Mrs. Ben Bennett was pretty and so she managed to catch a man and get married. But Mrs. Bennett is acting out of fear for her daughters now. Yeah, that's right. But Miss Bingley is acting out of fear for herself and may never get married. She doesn't need to. She's got £20,000. She'd be fine. Yeah, but wasn't the fact that someone was an old maid sort of looked down on by people? Yeah, that's true. So if she wasn't able to secure a husband, people would have looked down on her. I love that word, secure a husband. Miss Darcy appears obviously in this chapter and we talk more about her embarrassment, which proceeded from shyness and the fear of doing wrong could easily give those who felt themselves her inferior the belief of her being proud and reserved. But Mrs. Gardner and her niece over did her justice and pitied her. Isn't that lovely? That's sweet. They could just see she was uncomfortable. Did we talk about that last week as well? Yeah, how people could misinterpret who she is and why she acts the way she does. Yeah, we did, because then we talked about how she was 16, and so Wickham must have made off with her when she was 14. And 15. 15, whoops. And how dastardly he is. He's very dastardly. Mm. Yes, you like that word. We talked about Frank Churchill being dastardly as yeah, well. I've been using that word all week. Great. <laughs> My girls think I'm mental, and that's absolutely fine. I took them cupcakes yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah, so my son came to class yesterday because he had a teacher-only day at his school. 
And so for my last lesson of the day, he popped in with some cupcakes that he bought from the supermarket. Oh. Yeah, but they had to answer a question each before, before they, they were allowed a cupcake. a cupcake. It was fun. Oh, and here he is. He heard me mention him. He comes running. <laughs> but it was really good because I was able to see how much they understood of the story. So I just did random questions. Um, well, actually, no, that's a lie. I asked them why they thought I'd asked him to bring cupcakes in. And um, so we had really good chats about picnics and around about the social niceties around eating um, and how what food you had showed uh, the status that you had as well. Yeah, so we get to have an interesting bit about this here. We get to see Miss Darcy as host and how she forgets to order the food for quite some time. Unlike Mrs Elton, who um, remembers when she's in charge all the time and makes sure that everybody knows it. Sorry, cross over to Emma. I'll cross be quiet now. <laughs> um, and they have beautiful pyramids of grapes, nectarines and peaches, which would have probably been grown in a hothouse. So again, showing how much money they have. Yeah, and at the end of the chapter, Lizzie and her aunt discuss the fruit. One of the things they discuss, which is what I love. They talked of his sister, his friends, his house, his fruit of everything but himself. Elizabeth wants to know what Mrs. Gardner thinks of him, and Mrs. Gardner would have been highly gratified by her niece's beginning the subject. I think it's so cute. They just talk around it. That's really cute. And, yeah, the fruit was the thing that stood out to me as well, because when Frances read it, I was like, ooh, the fruit. The fruit. Because it's probably quite exotic. Women didn't have a lot to talk about, let's face it. No. I still suffer from that problem. I don't have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I remember our grandmother was like that. She would talk about fruit. No, food. A lot. So uh, she did work for a number of years uh, before she met our grandfather. It, it was his second marriage. But she, um, once she got married, of course, she gave up work, of course. Because that's what you did then. Yeah. And she talked a lot about food. Like A lot of her life was revolved around food and she talked you know where she'd been and then she'd tell you in great detail what she was fed where she'd been or if she'd gone out for lunch you know what she'd had to eat and what her sister had to eat and I knew a lot about what her and auntie doll ate it was quite funny I don't remember that that's uh, so funny but it's a an indication of the things that they thought were polite to talk about which lasted for you know 150 almost 200 years at the start of the visit, there's a pause and it's quite awkward. And Mrs. Ainsley, who is uh, like Miss a companion, Darcy's companion right. is mm. the first one who starts it. And her starting off the conversation with Mrs. Gardner shows that she's more truly well-bred than either Miss Bingley or Mrs. Hurst, which is interesting because they're the ones that have gone to finishing school and they should know better. But they think themselves better, and that's the problem. You can send people to finishing school, but unless they have that that piece of humanity inside them that helps them to see things from someone else's perspective, then they're, they're not going to be able to do those kind of things well. Um, Lizzie doesn't talk much, but she's not sorry to be spared the necessity of saying much as her own thoughts were imploring her. She wished and she feared that Mr. Darcy would come in and whether she wished or feared it most, she could scarcely determine. And then at the moment before, she, before he arrived, she believed she wished, her wishes predominated, but then she began to regret when he came. I bet her heart was beating so hard. Yes. I go back to that teenage thing I was saying the other week. You know, it's that feeling that you had when you were a teenager when the boy that you liked was going to walk past at lunchtime or he was going to be in the next lesson with you. Yep, and Elizabeth wisely resolves to be perfectly easy and unembarrassed. 
a resolution the more necessary to be made, but perhaps not the more easily kept. She's so funny, isn't she? Um, and then we get to see Mr. Darcy as a host, and he's trying to make sure everybody's comfortable and everybody's involved in the conversation, and it's really lovely. Yeah, we see him in his natural environment, and he's much more amiable, shall we say, in that environment, which is lovely to see. Miss Bingley throws a spanner in the works by bringing up Wickham. But she doesn't say his name, does she? No, she just brings up the militia. Um, she did not mention his name in front of Darcy. She went as close to it as she possibly could, which is enough for everyone in the room to know who she's thinking of. I question, though, does everyone in the room know? For example, Miss Darcy's companion. Mm, Mrs Ainsley. Thank you. Would she have known? She might not, because she was probably... She would have been employed after the Wickham escapade. Yes. Mind you, perhaps she was warned against him, but then she perhaps wouldn't have known anything about the militia being in Meryton, so wouldn't have known that Wickham was with them. And it's not the first time, well, it is the first time, but it's not the last time that Miss Bingley says things to make other people uncomfortable. Um, When as we were saying earlier, after Lizzie and Mrs. Gardner is gone, she's abusing Lizzie. And I love this quote we were saying as I read it, that we both love this quote, that angry people are not always wise. Yeah. And it's so true. People will say ridiculous things in anger. And she pushes Darcy including until he could contain himself no longer, which I think is quite out of character for him. And then Miss Bingley was left to all the satisfaction of having forced him to say what gave no one any pain but herself. I think that's something quite natural that human beings do. You keep egging at something, poking at the thing until it poke the bear. Yeah, yeah, poke the bear, exactly. Poke the bear. Until you get the explosion. Because I guess in some ways you actually really need to know the truth, to know just how bad it is or whether it is in your imagination or not sometimes. I don't know. It just seems... It's a stupid thing that we do. Yeah. It's just... It seems counterintuitive, but we just have to know. But it shows that Jane Austen was a great studier of human beings. You know, she understood human beings. If you look at all these characters in here, they all do things that are believable. And I think that's one of the great things about her is that she writes recognisable characters that you can still recognise today. Yeah, and in fact, that's the conversation I've had with my girls in the last two lessons about Emma. Because Autumn de Wilde was questioned about why she didn't modernise Emma, why she didn't, you know, put everybody in, in modern clothes, why she decided to keep it in the past. And obviously she loves Jane Austen, but she also said she wanted to humanise the characters and she wanted to show that the characters in Austen's novels are still the same type of people that we see today. And it still feels like a very modern adaptation. It does, doesn't it? There's something about it that's quite real. It's refreshing. The characters, while they're stuck inside the social expectations of the time, they still seem to be acting in a natural kind of way. I don't know how to explain that. I, know, I think the very early adaptations of the 70s and 80s were quite stilted. 
um, and now we get people acting more naturally, and I think that mm. makes it feel more modern as well. Yeah, and it's the same with Shakespeare. When you look back at some of the earlier yeah. adaptions of Shakespeare, you go, oh my goodness, they are reading Shakespeare. <laughs> um, whereas now they just talk in a more natural tone. And a big shout out to the girls at my school who did a Midsummer Night's Dream this week. It was fantastic. I didn't get to see it, so I can't comment. Yeah, but so I did hear it was good. We They had sold out of tickets. Because they're social distancing, so you can't sell as many tickets. Yeah. But it was it was amazing. I thought they did such a good job. Bottom. Bottom was the best. Bottom's supposed to be the best. And they had to have all girls because we couldn't be with the boys' school down the road because of COVID-19. Um, so the Year 12s and the Year 13s did it together. It was supposed to be Year 13 at our school and the boys' school down the road, but they ended up doing two classes of girls doing it. And they just did this amazing job. It was incredible. And it was really... Uh, natural the way that they spoke the words it was very clever i think our drama teacher did an amazing job as well that's so cool it is yeah sorry i've done it again haven't i Not off topic that's okay sorry everyone pride and prejudice there was two other things i wanted to talk about in this chapter from all bingley's connections mr darcy had kept any news of miss darcy's um almost elopement from the very wish which Elizabeth had long ago attributed to him of their becoming here after her own, i.e. Mr. Darcy went, Bingley and his family can't know about this because I want my sister to marry Mr. Bingley. Ah, I didn't click to that. I think this is the author going, this is what Lizzie's thinking, but I think the author is agreeing with her and saying, yes, she was correct in her supposition that Mr. Dwingley and Miss Darcy were intended for each other by Mr. Darcy. And that possibly helps to explain why he was so easy to jump at a reason to remove yeah. Bingley from yeah. And it says Jane. that too. He doesn't mean for it to affect his plans to separate him from Miss Bennet, but it's probable that it might add something to his lively concern for the welfare of his friend. Because right. that's... That's your sister's husband that's about to marry somebody else. I think Miss Darcy and Bingley would be a good match. It's like Darcy's gone out and picked a really nice guy and gone, he will look after my sister. But the age difference. There is an age difference. What they did in those days was just cruel. These poor young girls. Well, at least Lizzie and Jane weren't marrying guys with much of an age difference. Yes, it all turns out well at the end. Just not so well for Georgiana. We don't know what happens to Georgiana. Exactly. She probably had a happy ending. She got to have a sister. So I think that she did have a happy ending because even if she doesn't get married in this book, there's still the possibility that she will. And even if she doesn't, she's got a family to live with. Yeah, that's really true. So she's not going to be a sad old maid with cats. Like me. I was about to say no offence, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> Burn. The other thing is Jane Austen refers to people as creatures in here to no other creature had it been revealed and she this isn't the only time she does this she's brought up the word creature and other things um rational creatures is brought up in in persuasion and i think rational creatures appears in in this novel somewhere as well and that's mm-hmm. a quote from mary wollenstonecraft about women being rational creatures oh and at the end of mansfield park when Edmund is thinking about Mary, he refers to her as a creature. So she really is a study of human 
studier, I mean, of human beings, isn't she? Yeah. yeah isn't that interesting? And people do that now for, for a job. Study human beings. Yeah. Yeah. She just did it without anyone paying her. She did get paid for a book. She just didn't get paid much. I think she made something like £140 during her lifetime, something stupidly small. Wow, that's uh, quite little, really. Yeah, when you consider how much money she would have made had she lived 200 years. Yeah, or if she'd been a man. Yeah, potentially she might have made more money if she'd been a man. Like, her books might have been had more attention paid to them. But men didn't really write novels. No, they tended to write poetry or books of letters or travel mm. guides. Because this was more a female genre, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh. From what little I know. How times have changed. <laughs> or not. Yeah, that's true. You could argue that. I mean, that's one of the things, sorry, I'm going back to Emma again, but just talking about Emma in the carriage with Mr. Elton. And actually, she's in quite a scary position. She is. She shouldn't be alone in a carriage with him. No. And then he proposes. And then when she says no, he gets really angry. And he's quite violent in the film version of it. You know, he slams his hand on the roof. And then when he gets out, because he's a comic character, we sort of laugh at him throwing a tantrum in the snow. But actually, she's just been in a really dodgy situation, a little bit scary. Um, And... You know, I guess human beings haven't changed that much, that whole male-female thing over time. It's interesting that Autumn de Wilde went that way with him because I don't think he gets that angry in the book. But you can understand why she did. Yes. It makes it easier to understand. And he had this he this self-assuredness that he was sure she was going to say yes, that he was sure that she was coming on to him all this time. Yes, absolutely. But, I mean, he was such a... An arrogant so-and-so for thinking that that would happen because she was so far outside of anything that he could wish for. She was so far above him. She was. And she recognised that and she thinks that in the novel and I always wish that she'd said it to him and given him the smackdown that he deserved, but she never does. No, which does help to show some of her breeding. Yes. And again, I come back to I don't think Emma is a nasty character. I think she's just thoughtless and a product of her upbringing she's very self-centered yeah because i mean she does care a lot about other people though but she's still self-centered yeah and that's just because of the way she's been brought up look at the way she cares for her father who in that movie is not very sick whereas although he's never really very sick he just thinks he is he's just a hypochondriac and she puts up with him and she puts up with her sister who's also interesting (laughs) what was the line in this chapter that i went oh burn it was right near the end francis was reading aloud so i wasn't taking any notes miss bingley is saying about she a beauty i should soon call her mother with and darcy replies but that was only when i first knew her for it was many months since i considered her as one of the handsomest women of my acquaintance that's right that's the line sick burn yeah that's definitely a burn yeah and that's where she's been poking the bear and that's it. Yeah. She's heard it now. Head down, Miss Bingley. Move on. Find someone else. I don't know that she does, though. Well, at least not in this book. I think she's still... Do we get to see Miss Bingley again after this? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't think we do. 
Well, we've got a few more chapters. We can find out. Yes. We'll see if we run into Miss Bingley again and whether she's still all over Darcy. Does Miss Bingley have much money? Yeah, Miss Bingley has £20,000. That's right. So she might be attractive for a man who hasn't got a lot of money. But I guess that's a problem if she doesn't really want to be a man with a man who's not got a lot of money. She wants someone who's got good breeding, like Darcy's family is aristocracy. Mm. And money. Yeah. Preferably. I just don't think it's going to happen because she's a nasty... You're allowed to say bitch. Thanks. <laughs> and that is our summary of Chapter 45 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at Frances Duncan Wright and on Twitter at Frances underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!